Hello, everybody. Welcome to Comedy Film Nerds, episode 279. Oh, my God. So many movies to talk about today. We went um, indie and demanded that our guests see Pixels. So <laughs> we, we so we got to see cool stuff, yeah, and we yeah, made we, yeah, made, and we punished our guest before he even got this here. This is what yeah. he gets. You want to be on the podcast? Well, yeah. you got to go see asshole mm-hmm. bullshit. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about pixels, um, and our guest's already angry. Uh, it's such a beautiful day. Paper towns, lost soul, Mister Holmes, um, and some cool stuff coming out this week as well. But we got a lot of stuff to uh, talk about too. The, well, let's um, let's introduce our guest because he is uh, a part of some of our things. Absolutely, about. ladies and gentlemen. He also he's a very fine comedian. He runs the Bridgetown Comedy Festival. He's also one of the partners of LA Podfest and is one of the hosts of the Probably Science podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, Andy Wood. Hello, thank you for having me, gentlemen. Thank you. For <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice, nice radio voice. Hey, uh, thank you for the assignment. I appreciate it. I'm not at all angry. <laughs> being forced to sit through another uh, like future the future will not look back kindly on late adam sandler like this period <laughs> in his career it, uh, it makes billy madison like hey you know that wasn't that wasn't yeah. uh, that was fun I, billy madison was genuinely funny yeah i mean i that was the first dvd i ever bought like i was i was a fan like so for me, it's even harder to admit that he's fallen. And it's the same team that worked on that as all the rest of his great movies. Um, not all the rest. At Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison, which are funny movies. The same team has worked on all these garbage ones for the last 20 years. I don't know where they lost their way, but... Well, we'll get into yes, it a little okay, more. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's fresh in my mind. I just got out of it. So, <laughs> the trauma is fresh. So, so, so... <laughs> We're going to have a little bit of an intervention with Andy, yeah. just kind of yeah. cool him down, <laughs> talk him off the ledge. Um, but we want to announce uh, for LA PodFest that the live video stream is now available for purchase. Um, now, all- it's normally 25 bucks, but why would you pay? Why would you pay full price? Right. <laughs> there must be some other option, right? There must be some way to lower well, that. Is there, think, well, well, why don't we do a coupon code that saves five bucks? Let's do that coupon. <laughs> Um, so yeah, if you use coupon code uh, CFN, you get five dollars off. Or if you use coupon code whatever science you, science, that's Andy's show. You get five dollars off. So you're getting for twenty bucks, you're getting all forty some shows and panels. Yes, um, the live the whole weekend, and mm-hmm. then we will archive all of them for three weeks. So for basically about a month, you get video access to everything that was done at the festival, except for. The earbud screening and the stand-up comedy show. Yes. Those you have to come see. And the parties. And the parties. Sorry. <laughs> we should live stream the parties. Then. <laughs> Just ha ha. Like, look at all these fun things we're doing. Look, I have a drink ticket. Yeah. yeah what are you drinking? <laughs> um, we have chicken skewers yeah. or whatever. <laughs> Shrimp on a stick. Uh, so, yeah, guys, that is available at LAPodFest.com. Um, the, the lineup of all the shows that have confirmed is there. Um, we're going to release a schedule pretty soon that has the actual schedule grid. Of course, that always changes a little bit as we get mm-hmm. closer. Some shows, and there are some hotel rooms left, and of course, uh, passes to attend live. There are still uh, passes left for that as well. Yeah, so um, it's going to be you know uh, most assuredly Friday night opening show is going to be Doug Loves Movies, um, seven o'clock, and we're going to show earbuds a couple times. And I mean Friday alone, just to give you an idea, it's looking like Doug Loves Movies. Thrilling Adventure Hour and the earbud screening. Yeah, that's how we're kicking off the festival. Yeah, so boom in your face. Um, so uh, yeah, go to lapodfest.com, you guys. And of course, if you haven't already, subscribe to 
uh, LA Podfest uh, Twitter feed, which is at LA Podfest, and the Facebook page and Instagram and all that stuff, because uh, that's the especially Twitter is the best way to get like uh, constant updates as we get closer to the festival because yes. we're a little less than two months out. Um, so that's it. Oh, I want to thank everybody that came out. Uh, I did shows at the Surf City Comedy Club in Huntington Beach. That was a lot of fun. Um, and when I mean thank everybody that came out, I mean uh, specifically Neil and Aaron. Uh, <laughs> um, there Neil was, said he saw you. He said it was a good show. It was fun. It's a yeah, cool little there. comedy club. It's pretty new. Um, and they had a good turnout. So I think they're, you know, I hope that club works. Uh, mm-hmm. So I don't know. Maybe there's some people who saw me that night for the first time and now you're listening to this podcast. It's so. entirely possible. So thank you. And then everyone that came to see uh, me open up for Doug Benson at the uh, hashtag Lonks Pin in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's the, wait, wait, what? <laughs> it's the Looney Pin Comedy Club, but their graphic on stage looked like Lonks Pin. And uh. I kept making fun of it. So then everyone in Tulsa, after the show, all of their posts had hashtag longspin like the entire audience jumped up spelling it the same how do you spell longspin l-o-o-n-x because they spelled loony l-o-o-n-y and then bin but it looked like longspin like the y looked like an x they didn't use an e and the b looked like a p this is how important fonts are oh it's so important you guys uh but yeah thanks everybody in tulsa that came out that was such a fun show there was a guy, Charlie, that we brought on stage to play uh, Last Man Stanton, the, one of the movies, uh, movie games from Doug's podcast. Charlie, who had a Podfest shirt from year two. Oh, nice. Tar- Charlie from Tulsa. Thanks for mm-hmm. coming out. Um, yeah, so it was, it was a lot of fun. So thanks to everyone that came out to that it was show. It's kind of all worn where like, he's never taken it off. I think he's been sleeping in it yeah. for three years straight. So <laughs> that's the impression I got. That is awesome. Thanks, Charlie, for... Uh, <laughs> come and get a new one this come year. <laughs> come and get a new one. One of the things he brought up which we should do. I don't know why we haven't done this. He goes, why don't you guys sell old Podfest shirts on the CFN store? Great idea, Tulsa. <laughs> Sounds like something we're going to do. Um, so we'll we'll talk to, uh, or at least have a link to Angelo's page or something. We got to take care of that. What the fuck are we doing? We sell everything else. I thought out. we still had those for sale. We don't. We'll we'll do the, but they're on the a store merchandise site. Oh, yeah. Okay. We'll, yeah, yeah, we'll look into it. He's just saying, this guy was saying you should put them on the CFN yeah. site. Right. So they are available. If, yeah, if you want to go get them, go to astoymerchandise.com. Mm-hmm. But we'll have a, we got to have a fun. Yeah, we'll Come take on. a look. Why are we not getting a taste of this? Yeah. Still a taste. Just want to wet my beak a little bit, Andy. That's all I want. A little taste. Grease and palms, wet beaks. Just keeping the wheels of justice yeah. and the uh, commerce moving, buddy. That's so, what I'm doing. So I, I think we've, um, uh, I, I think we need to re- get right into uh, Andy's uh, okay. vitriolic okay. Uh, disappointment. We got we to get him. Yeah, he's got to process this this yeah. this, this trauma. <laughs> yeah, this is like a this is like a debrief after being in like a firefight or something. Right? <laughs> <laughs> now, to to be fair, let's set it up a little bit. Where it's a very fun short film. You could find the short film is it online? online. It's okay. online. It's a couple minutes long. And you look at it like, I wonder, I can't imagine that being a feature. But however, when you take retro gaming and big budget sci-fi, there is a way to make it, I don't know, watchable. Oh, I could see this being a great movie in different hands. Yeah. It's like the, the, like the guy that, who made Scott Pilgrim? Um, is that Edgar Wright? Yeah. I think it was Edgar Wright. It's a great example. Yeah. Yeah. Like if Edgar Wright was, uh, was, um, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Let me bring that up real quick. Um, yeah, that's definitely Edgar Wright. That's that to me. Like, if you had Edgar Wright 
the version of this would be like, we would all be like, saw, we would have seen one trailer and gone, I'm in. Yes. Like, let's do it. And or, or even like take, you know, sometimes these animation directors are actually transitioning into live action now. Like take the, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Take the, um, the Wreck-It Ralph. Uh, directors. Another and, great example. And then yeah. you could uh, have, have them do this. Oh my God, so. I forgot about Rick and Ralph. That was yeah. just like a phenomenal movie. And this yeah. is the polar opposite of that. But <laughs> okay, Rick so. and Ralph was directed by Rich Moore. Okay. Um, and he also was part of the, the part of the people that wrote it. And, you know, uh, Rich Moore also, you know, was, uh, was a, writer of big hero six he right. wrote oh, um, simpsons so like that's what you're talking about animation he's coming people. from an animation yeah. world mm-hmm. and so he molded those worlds very well in wreck it ralph right now let's talk about not <laughs> yeah. doing let's that talk about let's, destroying the world let's, let's, uh, <laughs> tell us andy what happened so the premise is that we sent out a probe in 1982 that had a bunch of footage of different things that humans do including playing video games and including uh, a tournament that we see in the opening scene in which adam sandler barely loses to a teenage Peter Dinklage in the world championships of Donkey Kong. So we sent out this probe in 1982 aliens saw it and took it as a call to arms and thought we wanted to kill them. And so they come at us with what they think the challenge is, which is all of the bad guys from classic video games. So it's, it makes zero sense with the exception Uh, of Pac-Man. With the exception of Pac-Man, in which case they come at us as Pac-Man. Is that what you mean? Because it wasn't because the it was bad all guy? The, yeah, Pac-Man was the good guy. Right. In the game. So in the rest of the cases, like the centipede's coming down, we have to shoot him, mm. or uh, Donkey Kong's throwing barrels, but for some reason Pac-Man is the bad guy, and then the good guys are driving Mini Coopers that are ghosts somehow. Like, it makes it makes zero <laughs> sense. But, like, the dumbest stuff isn't even the the main plot, but just, like, okay, the opening scene is... Well, wait a minute, I'm confused, because this was directed by Christopher Columbus. Who's made great movies. Yeah, yeah. Home Alone, right? I mean, he's done so many great... Is it Uncle Buck him, or is that... Um, uh, yeah, he's done... Uh, oh, God, he did Mrs. Doubtfire. He did um, Home he, Alone 2. He did the Percy Jackson movies. Sure, he did Bicentennial Man. Yeah. I mean, he's done Chris really, Columbus is a horrible director. Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> he's had a couple of... Uh, well, wow, how did that sneak through? Yeah, yeah, there was yeah. a couple ones that were like, oh, I could see why someone would hire him after that movie. He did the first Harry Potter, I think, right? He did Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, and he did, he did the two of them, the first Chambers two. Chambers of Secrets. Mm-hmm. Which aren't horrible. They aren't great, but okay. And then it's exactly. also, yeah, it's written, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is written by Tim Herlihy, former SNL writer who collaborates on every Sandler movie. Mm-hmm. And I, d- I don't understand how the same guys that made Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore, which I will totally defend to this day, went on to make Grown Ups. And the, like, first of all, this is bad. And everyone's saying it's the worst thing ever. It's not as bad as Grown Ups. I had to see Grown Ups also. <laughs> wow. Because I was dating a girl who loved Adam Sandler. And afterwards, I just crossed my arms and looked at her and went, really? Really? Do you still love Adam Sandler? <laughs> Um, does that that t- please tell me that's when you broke up with her right? <laughs> in the, the lobby after grown ups after grown ups or was it when she said Kevin James is underrated oh you mean <laughs> President James <laughs> that's right you mean president? president so opening scene movie. young Adam Sandler young Kevin James are at this tournament and they're bested by young Peter Dinklage. Smash cut, Kevin James is the president of the United States. Oh. And he's having a beer with Adam Sandler, who is a Geek Squad equivalent dude at some right. no-name company. Um, and it just gets worse from there. And like they have an establishing shot of the president. Uh, I guess they're trying to like make him like a George Bush like lovable idiot, because they have him reading to these kids, and he can't pronounce the words, and it's, it's on CNN. Like They're in the bar, and they see the footage of the president trying to read to these kids in a kindergarten... And he's messing everything up. 
But then like it cuts to the kids' reactions as if CNN had like a multi-cam set up. This is like stuff like that bothers me more than everything else for some reason. Like it's so lazy. Um, Dan Aykroyd is the moderator of the video game championship. So of course later on there's a celebratory scene where they crack open a bottle of Crystal Head Vodka, which is the brand that Dan Aykroyd owns. Like it's the lamest Okay, another little shit that gets to me. Uh, Peter Dinklage, has, for some reason, has like a horrible southern accent uh, and, and a, a mullet, giant mullet. And a giant mullet. And at some point, he says, uh, <laughs> here comes the Calvary, which is a pet peeve of mine. It's cavalry. And any movie that gets that wrong, I instantly, okay, nobody even proofread the script. Um, <laughs> the special effects, like, they were kind of cool. Like, you saw, if, if listeners have seen that 10 minute, uh, I forgot the name of the guy who made this 10 minute video that's gone viral about how awful pixels is but i saw that and i was almost like i kind of want to see this movie because the effects at least look kind of cool every effect is in the trailer all the rest of it is just horrible dialogue between michelle monaghan and adam sandler wow um cubert is in it in it for zero reason except that cubert is cute like they have the most arbitrary rules like they'll win something and then the aliens will send down a trophy and Josh Gad gets rewarded with a, a girlfriend who's uh, from a made-up video game. And I can't believe they got the rights to all these games. They got the rights to all the classic Atari well, games. He, here's the thing that, you know, I had this conversation with somebody. A lot of these classic games are, it's like one company. Like Namco owned like a certain amount. Yeah. Um, and then Nintendo will own a certain amount. Like it's not like a, how crazy splintered it is now. It's yeah. like. Now you have a lot of these classic games. They're on like a you know you can get one disc and they have a bunch of them on there. Like right, Atari right. is like you know Centipede and all that. Yeah. Stuff. So I think it was easier, especially to get the classic ones. It was harder for Wreck It Ralph for them to get like Mario and the ones that are still kind of in use. Those were in here too, though. So Nintendo signed off on that shit too. Right, but yeah. like um, like I know there was like some uh, like with Wreck It Ralph, they're like, well, what's the characters going to do? What are they? You, you know, there was like a, a lot of rights issues there, but I, it seems like it was easier for some reason yeah. here to get the rights to these. I maybe because they were classic games or whatever, but uh, it turns out it looks like they shouldn't have given the rights to this movie. Yeah, it's <laughs> inexplicable. I mean, everybody knows Adam Sandler makes garbage now. Like the Sony leaked email internal email have you seen that Mm-mm. sony entertainment they got hacked and they had an internal email oh it said yeah his he has no value writing to each other saying we all know this guy makes garbage right right like yeah so like I that like that was a big revelation like, like oh my god can you believe what they said it's so funny to me because it's like whatever it was 10 years ago punch drunk love and you went okay right it, we're gonna start seeing more of this type oh, oh, of, right, okay, of adam yeah, sandler right. like we're gonna get away from this like great, that's what he did in the '90s. Awesome, you went, you jumped from Saturday Night Live to, to, to Happy Gilmore. Great, right. awesome. Now let's fucking move forward. And like, he's, are you going to be Bill Murray? Maybe you're going to have this right, late career right. resurgence. As, right, exactly. Yeah. Well, the answer is no. Right, yeah, <laughs> and it's like uh. he keeps, and all of these movies just feel slapped together. They all feel like their first drafts. Like some of those, oh, like right. in a writer's room just goes, how about a Southern accent and a mullet? Yes. Done. Yeah. Like no one went, wait a minute. Like, like I've seen a lot of the reviews too saying like, God, Adam Sandler looks so bored. Like he literally oh. phoned it in. Like, like, he doesn't and, be there. Yeah. yeah. And it's a, it's a great thing. Like, Hey, aren't you getting paid millions of dollars <laughs> yeah. to do this? Uh, yeah, he, but I, I'm not at a lake house with my friends. Yeah. So, if uh, you're, uh, and, and it was a great, if you're not interested in this movie, <laughs> yeah. why should we be? Yeah. Well, that's the other thing I don't understand then. Like, oh, we've had this discussion. I just don't, I just don't, like, why? 
do you, is it just, you just have to pay for the, the lifestyle, the $20 million beach houses. You just, so you have to crank these things out. Like what the fuck, what did, what is motivating you I think to I do know. this? I think it's just that he's created a little cottage industry with happy Madison and he has friends who now rely on him. So he just has to make a movie every year or two just to like keep his friends working. Were there right? any you good know, like, like video game surprises like uh, like like a good like like Cubert? Like was there anything like can that? Can I spoil like no one's gonna watch this no. who's listening, right? No. So yeah, the whole plot like, spoiler, spoiler alert, spoiler guys, alert. here it comes. Get ready, <laughs> we're gonna ruin the movie. There are only three battles. It's a best out of three tournament. There's uh, only three battles in the entire film. I mean there's 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 two attacks that we don't see coming and they just destroy and they say now we're up two to one. It's a best Three out of five, or something. So it's kind of like a tournament, the invasion. Yeah, yeah. So they, uh, they makes they, even more sense. They Go attack ahead. us with um, with Galaga, and we aren't ready to respond at all. Okay, and that um, somehow rallies the troops. Um, the president calls in Sandler to the Oval Office to look at the footage. He says, "Do you recognize this at all?" And his whole thing was he could recognize patterns in video games, is why he was a champion. Right. Mm-hmm. So he's like, "I see the pattern in this. I also see that it was the '82 version of Galaga, not the '86, because they redid it." Um, and there's one more attack on the Taj Mahal. I forgot what the video game is. That's on like Tetris or something. Sure. Probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they finally bring in Sandler, trust him to like teach all the Marines to play video games. They develop these laser cannons that they realize shoot the pixels. They're not even pixels. They're voxels. There's a word for a three dimensional <laughs> version of a pixel. A pixel with volume is a voxel. The movie should be called voxels. Those are the blocks that make up any 3d animated movie. Pixels are two dimensional strictly. Oh, Listen so to amazing. the Probably Science podcast, you yeah. guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm too analytical, I know, but still, like, it's just so... Okay, so then... Uh, I love that those, that those are your biggest gripes. Yeah. <laughs> the movie should be called Voxels. That is perfect. That is a perfect movie. Just rename it Voxels, and I'm happy. Um, and then Pac-Man attacks. And, so it's kind and, of no, I'm like sorry, Centipede attacks. Centipede, okay. And then Pac-Man, and then uh, Donkey Kong. And that's mm. all that happens the entire movie. The rest of it is, like, uh, wide shots of, of Carnage... Where you'll, you'll, be, you'll see like a Times Square for like two seconds, and you'll see if you paused it, you'd see five different characters you recognize, like Frogger and the Joust ostriches or whatever those are. Got it. But aside from that, it's just like three mm-hmm. battles, and then a lot of like really dumb back and forth between Sandler and Michelle Monaghan because he thinks she's a snob because he wouldn't make out with her when he was at her house to install their TV. It's now, like, well, was, no, was this in the movie you? or real life? <laughs> <laughs> It's so awful. God. And then the reward that uh, Peter Dinklage gets is a threesome with Martha Stewart and Serena Williams. And the, like they're on the lawn of the White House presenting medals to everybody. And he looks up and sees them in a window in, in the White House waiting for him to come fuck them, I guess. I don't It's like it's a pizza PG movie, but it's, it's so he's going to uh, have a three way in the White House. Yes. Presumably that's what that's what happens at the end. Um, but anyone, it's, there's it's like no, no one involved in this has the ability to say. That's not funny. We should yeah. rewrite this or come up with something. Is Adam better. Sandler now a comedy George Lucas, where it's just like he's so off the rails? No where one, re- no no one, one reigns no him in. Yeah. No one reigns it. Where it's just like I mean, Jack and Jill. I can't even imagine oh. anyone wanting to see that film, let alone sitting through it. I can't. The jokes just make no. None of them make any sense. So, yeah. so it makes you wonder too. Like, is that you know how how many times are you going to keep funding? You know this. Adam and this Sandler one, movies. this one finally is the first I think that's not doing well, or maybe Blended failed, but this one's not. I don't think Jack and Jill did so well. But how do they <laughs> keep getting? Because oh. he's always done well in video release or whatever. Yeah, now it's but that that was what you kept know, they, him going in the '90s and the early 2000s. Was I, you know I met with that company when that, mm-hmm. and they were telling me basically their business model is that um, you know a movie like Joe Dirt where 
you know, it's made for a couple million dollars, yeah. it it gets its money back in the first weekend. Or, you know, let's say it's an $8 million film and it only does $4 million opening weekend. It's like, oh, well, we're halfway back to what we put right, in it. Right. The, the key was to keep the budgets low and then they all would make a lot of money. The one really disappointment they had was the when Little Nicky, because it had all these effects and it was more expensive yeah, yeah. and no one liked it. Yeah. So, uh, but, but it's Little Nicky still made money overseas and back then it was dvd and stuff now it's all vod but he still makes money that way you guys may not even know this but um they just released uh straight to video on demand a sequel to joe dirt that literally literally just came out too so i'm sure that's also doing great i'm sure it's getting great reviews too (laughs) but uh well andy i don't know we have to thank you for taking the bullet on that one we couldn't even get any reviewers to do a written review yeah thank you for telling us about voxels yes i think your (laughs) listeners will appreciate that i understand how three-dimensional rendering works but uh, you know what our listeners will we get we get a lot of technical emails too especially from visual effects people (laughs) yeah i can't and this cost a lot i heard they spent almost 100 million on this do you have a budget on that yeah i'm sure a lot of that was in bloated salaries too i mean how much actually went to the vfx team so this Uh, one's gonna According to estimated budget on IMDb is a um, eighty-eight uh, million dollars. The gross for the weekend has been thirty million. Last last question: Did you mm-hmm. ever actually get to see the aliens? No, no. You just saw the the video game versions of themselves. They sent so just the weapons that they sent. You never actually yeah. see what was sending them. What which are made of quote light and energy, according to Michelle Monaghan in an expository scene. Like, Excellent. okay, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> Conventional weapons don't work because they're light and energy. Oh, and uh, what's this? Are you guys worried that Can this you... might? We're talking about the budget of it. And my main concern with pixels is that this might throw a wrench in the works for uh, Ready Player One getting made. Are you guys fans of that book? Oh yeah, I heard about that. That's supposed to be. When was that supposed to come out? What was the story on? Oh, I don't know. That's, I just... that's still in development. That's a an unbelievably huge rights issue because yeah. Ready Player One doesn't just do video games. It literally is all of '80s culture. So you have everything needs to be licensed from the video games to Dungeons and Dragons to War Games, the movie. Like there's a scene in the book where like they actually go into War Games, the movie and like recite the dialogue. So there's all sorts of rights issues. But the problem is if you don't get those rights, it it destroys the core of the book. Yeah. So I don't know, like the only one that could maybe pull it off is Spielberg, who's directing it. But it's not I don't think it's gotten very far i don't think it's in production yet yeah and i'm sure like i would hope this wouldn't affect it but it's just a bummer to see a thing that's sort of similarly mining 80s nostalgia but doing it so poorly that it might sour audiences Um, well i'm I'm hoping that won't happen and one of the reasons too is because of spielberg like if you've got skittish executives they might as like oh this did bad now we got to cancel ready player one because ready player one those rights were bought a while ago it's been taking a long time just to get it this far to get spielberg attached i also think if if you like you said if spielberg's attached and then there is a there, there isn't this is a one-off bust. Like like we said, Wreck-It Ralph and Scott Pilgrim did well. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. so I think... And creatively, they were good. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they, so I think this is the sort of the result of, you know, since Wreck-It Ralph and, and all those, like, oh, we got to do one of these, which is probably part of the whatever, the motivation impetus for this short film, which then... My point is, I think this is a trend. This, mm-hmm. this is just an unholy... Um, abomination <laughs> yeah, of uh, Chris Columbus, Happy Madison. But I think it's going to be a Sandler. speed bump within this, like this '80s sure. nostalgia. Yeah. I think so too. I that, think that's you're not, right. Not going to mm-hmm. affect it. And I mm-hmm. think too that that Sony email. 
I think hopefully you got people, you know, in these positions at the studios going, well, I'm Sandler. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, yeah, I don't, I, I've never understood somebody who gets this much money and power that then creatively doesn't just say, there's so many examples of people who just went, okay, I made my money doing this. Now I'm gonna. Yeah. Right. But like, there's also like pro athletes who have an entourage to take care of. And they got to bring up their whole family, and well, that's what know, this is. I think he has hangers on. Honestly, right. that that that's his fault. Then I mean, yeah, if you're making yeah. shitty product to support your entourage, what's wrong with you? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, and it's also just like, yeah, then stop doing that. I mean, Matthew McConaughey lived in a trailer, went surfing, and then probably on a wave went, I'm done making rom-coms, and I'm going <laughs> right. to start doing really good movies. He didn't have a bunch of hangers on going, hey, when's the next? Joe Dirt Six. Another failure yeah. to launch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So we go to the, now, um, since Andy took the hit on the uh, big studio disaster of uh, the summer, we actually went indie and we saw mm. a bunch of cool indie movies. Now, the, the first one. Uh, these were great, Andy. I want to talk well, about. You yeah, you really, these. Like, you really like these. I'm just living vicariously um, through you guys. It's, um, <laughs> the first one I saw was It's Such a Beautiful Day. And this is actually an animation from Don Hertzfeld. And. Don Hertzfeld is an animator. He's an animator who's been around for many years. And when I watched this, this is kind of cobbled together a little bit from a couple of the short films to kind of get it to feature length, Mm -hmm. and he added new material to it. But his stuff is amazing. I love it. It's hilarious. It's inventive. And he does it mostly with stick figures. That's what's so great. He's been nominated for Academy Awards. Um, But what when I watched this movie, it really brought me back to, like, the speaking of nostalgia, to the 90s when... You really couldn't see cool animation unless you went into a movie theater and caught at an art house like an animation celebration or Spike yeah, and yeah. Mike sick That's and twisted animation. Yeah. Spike and Mike, yeah. And when you actually it was like an event. It was cool. You got a bunch of your friends together and you would go down. I remember in college going and it was always look forward to the next one. There's always some such cool inventive animation. Yeah. And he was always such a big part of it. His stuff, um, and there was always a bunch of other animators that we would look forward to uh, as well. And it kind of reminded me of that. It brought me back to kind of that time. Yeah, like, this is yeah. where you could actually see cool animation. Seeing the first uh, Beavis and Butthead for yeah, baseball. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and um, what it was is this movie is basically, it's not really a, f- a film as much as like kind of an experimental feature-length animation almost. Yeah. It's more of, and it's a little over an hour. It's a very... It's kind of in between short and feature, but it's. I think he put it enough together to make it kind of qualify as a feature. But it's very stream of consciousness, and it's metaphysical, and it's often hilarious. But it's, it's literally just him animating. You know, this character is slowly losing his mind, and he narrates it. You know, the animator. It's his narration. So it's. You can tell it's very personal. It's very metaphysical, and it's very experimental. But it's also very, very funny, especially in parts, and just. Uh, the animation and just the subtle movements he makes with these stick figures. That's why he's such a genius animator. So um, no going in. If you're a fan, you're going to like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's on. It's streaming right now. You can check it out. But also um, don't expect like, oh, a feature length film, a beginning story, a beginning, middle. End. No, it's still kind of experimental. It's still fun. But it's, it's definitely worth a view, especially if you're a fan of Don Hertzfeld and specifically the animation that you used to go to theaters to actually yeah. watch as part of those celebrations. And Bill Plimpton was another one. You were always see oh, his God. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Bill Plimpton is such, and he does it all himself also. It's yes. all hand drawn. Uh huh. Yeah. Entire features. Right. That guy's a genius. So, uh, definitely check it out. It's such a beautiful day. All right. Um, I saw paper towns. Now, I can't wait to hear what movie this was. Was it a coming of age 
uh, teen drama? Was it a coming-of-age teen comedy? Was it a thriller? What was this movie? It was a little bit of all of that. Oh, interesting. Um, in a good or bad way? In a good way. In okay. definitely a good way. I, I, I will say this. I um, mistakenly went into this hoping to be like Fault in Our Stars. Got it. Mm-hmm. It's not that. Mm-hmm. That is just the, this emotional, very intense, very like, these are kids facing death, though they, they're they not like quirky teens. Right, they have yeah. this really like, her, her uh, I forget, I'm blanking on the lead character, the lead actress's name, but who's a, who's a very- Cara uh, de la Vergne? No, 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 no. <laughs> exactly. oh, oh, in the, Fault of Our yeah. Stars. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Ah. Johnny blah, 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 blah. Yeah, not, no, not Cara de Vangabone, <laughs> but- um, <laughs> But yeah, the, the the lead in Fault in Our Stars, you know, her character is obviously very dark, and and it's just which which colors the movie in in, in such a a, a a good way. Paper Towns is a teen movie, and it's it's more like um, spectacular now. Okay, uh, it's a great movie, which is a great movie. Then, like, I think you I think you got to just put Fault in Our Stars just separately. It's because that's not a teen movie. That's a that's a cancer movie that has teenagers in it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, Paper Towns is a really cool teen movie. It does um, have uh, this, the, the lead guy, Nat Wolf. Um, he's a good lead. The little nerd group, they have really, there's really funny moments. There's very like cute high school moments in there. Um, and, you know, he's chasing this girl. And, and it, it is that like, it, to me, it brought me back to like being in high school and you know, the first girl I ever like truly fell for and she was kind of a wild child and we would go on these, I would, you know, I'd chase her around because I was like, oh my God, this is the, you know, first girl yeah, yeah. that ever I got to have sex with or whatever. <laughs> like, so, you know, there was a lot of that. So that that was kind of cool. Um, uh, but it's just sort of nice. It's cute. It's like, so, mm-hmm. so, so don't go in expecting Fault in Our Stars and I think you'll have a pretty cool a pretty cool experience, you know, and these are all good young actors and it, and it, and it, it goes into like friendship and, you know, they're all kind of quirky outsiders. There's just some hilarious shit in there. Like one kid's, uh, his, I won't spoil this for you, but he has a, you know, his parents have a weird thing in their house. So he's like embarrassed to show it. And they're nerdy guys, but not like the stereotypical nerdy guys. And, uh, and there is kind of a thriller, like trying to find her when she does disappear. That's and, not the main plot point of the movie, though. Yeah, well, it does. Well, the second half of the movie is 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 finding her, trying to find yeah. her. Um, but it's really about, you know, it is coming it, in the trying to find her is the coming of age of these of these kids. And um, is and it I, is it like a an into the night movie? Is it like a, over the course of one night that last act? Or? The last act does have like a. You know, we got 36 hours to go find her and come back before Because she disappears, and then there's, like, clues to, right. like, what happened to her. Yeah. Right, because that's in the trailer. Right. So that's intriguing. Um, it's, it's, it's a good little movie. It's, it's, yeah. it's you know, okay. it's, a, it's a nice little film. Like, Fault in Our Stars, I thought, should have gotten more Oscar mm-hmm. consideration. I don't think this deserves Oscar consideration, but that it's a good film. But it, and it kind of... Genre bends a little bit. It genre but, bends a little bit, and mm-hmm. you know the this the John Green, the author of these books. I like his. I like. Mm-hmm. I like. I don't read. I haven't read his books, but I so far the two adaptations of his books I like. Mm-hmm. So, like, if they do another one of his books into a movie, I'll probably go see it. Right. So, and they both take place in modern in this day in 2015, presumably. Yeah. So, how do they play? Because I've always wondered about if you wrote a teen movie now, like how much would you? 
be obligated to make it about the tech that is everyone's lives now. You know what I mean? Like, is that in it or is that? That's interesting because that I read online that that's one kind of criticism of Paper Towns. Like, Fault in Our Stars, a big part of the story is her and this guy texting at night. Okay. And you see that's part of part of their mm-hmm. relationship, which is what you're talking yeah. about. This movie doesn't have these kids on it that much. Um, but it does stuff like they walk into a dark place to look for her and they don't have a flashlight. Doesn't matter. One of them pulls out their iPhones right, and it's got right. the flashlight app. Mm-hmm. So um, there is some of that. I mean, you could make a criticism that, oh, these kids should have been buried in their phones a lot more. <laughs> the way, <laughs> but it just makes for a bad movie. Like you can't showing text screens on. No one's figured out a great way to do that yet in movies. You pop, but it it's up not compelling like a, at all. To yeah, watch someone exactly. look at a small screen is not visually interesting. Oh, yeah. I'm at not all. saying you should do it. I'm yeah. just saying like that. How, that it is, is real human behavior now. So you have to deal with that. How yeah. do you deal with yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. And I like I again. I think Fault in Your Stars did it the right way. Yeah, having the things pop up. And then seeing the person's reaction to them. Did they do that that way where it popped up on the screen? They didn't do it. They barely used it. They barely used any of that in Paper Towns. Um, But I was okay with it. Yeah. Because it was just sort of a director's choice. Like, let's make it more about these kids, their interaction, and this guy's, you know, why is he searching for this girl? And what does that mean for him internally? Yeah. Yeah. So that was cool. So. Cool. Check it out. Well, I saw also a documentary, uh, Lost Soul, The Doomed Journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Moreau. What this fuck? was a fascinating documentary. Is this about that movie? Uh, about the, uh, yeah, how the Val Kilmer, Marlon Brando movie completely imploded from the beginning to end. What is it about Marlon Brando that makes him part of these debacles? Like, well, this was, and Marlon Brando was only a, a small part of this yeah. complete disaster. What was fascinating is how many... Um, how many it was how many forces aligned to make sure this movie was never going to be watchable ever at all there there's nothing that could have made this watchable in fact even when they're interviewing the new line executives they're saying we will let a lot we would have lost more if it never got finished which is what we thought i mean we lost money on the movie but it would have been worse had it never been finished and richard stanley was in it is a really interesting character he when you see him on screen, you realize that he is definitely bordering between genius and insanity. <laughs> and some scenes he seems very lucid, like, oh, okay, yeah, you know what you're talking Other scenes you're like, oh, he's out of his fucking mind. Mm-hmm. There's no way. Like, he's talking about witchcraft and, you know, crazy. You know, he had, you know, a shaman help him with a development oh, no. meeting and, you, oh, you know, things oh, like that. Okay, I, I got there it. There we go. Um, How did he get hired? What else? Well, here's, what, here's the interesting thing. Like, he, he was coming off of uh, a movie, a little sci-fi movie called Hardware that actually actually did very well. In fact, um, HBO, I remember seeing it on HBO um, many years ago. Yeah, it came out in 1990. The yes. head of a cyborg reactivates and rebuilds itself and goes on a violent rampage in a space marine girlfriend's apartment. Yeah, so it was... Space marine? It, sure. But, but the, yeah, you heard right. Space marine. It was a very low Standard budget. Thing. It like kind of took some of like the, um, um, the stuff from Terminator and made it very low budget, but it had a style and a vision, and it actually had like a... Like, you could see a lot of talent in like the director at the time and he was younger, but it never materialized. (laughs) So it starts off by like, you know, him, like uh, Bruce Willis was supposed to star in this movie. It was supposed to be like Bruce Willis, um, Marlon Brando and like James Woods. That's how this movie was supposed to be. And then every, it just started disintegrating from there. And then once Val Kilmer came on board, like he was apparently just complete like egomaniac. In fact, um, oh. and eventually though they 
they fired Richard Stanley, but that was only the and Frankenheimer came on. And Frankenheimer came on, yeah. and he was a complete tyrant on the set. And he was saying like him and Valkin, nobody would get along with anybody. Nobody even wanted to talk to anybody. He said there was one part where there was no shooting being done because Marlon Brando said, I'm not leaving my trailer until Val Kilmer leaves his trailer. And Val Kilmer goes, I'm not leaving my trailer until Marlon Brando leaves his. And all the extras are in this prosthetic makeup they've been in for hours. I'm like, come on, what's going on? So it was unbelievable. Everything from a storm destroying the entire set. (laughs) Uh, But it's a fascinating story. It really is. I mean, the, the documentary itself is decent. It's not like this amazing thing. Like, I mean... There's a lot of these movies that show how like um, how disastrous productions end up, yeah. and some of them, um, I mean, not all of them are based around Terry Gilliam, but a fair amount of them are. Uh, yeah, uh, the Hamster Factor, <laughs> you know, but um, and Lost in La Mancha never even got finished. Wait, um, the movie about the movie Lost in La Mancha got finished, but yeah, Man, yeah, 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 the actual movie never got yeah. finished. Um, Every once so, in a while, though, you get like where it worked like apocalypse now and that that documentary hearts of darkness right yeah is an amazing documentary because you go all this crazy shit and he still came up with an amazing yeah, movie yeah. right and that's that's amazing when that happens like when you see everything from you know the director like the the first director like they're just not even showing up for meetings not wanting to go for meetings like wandering around hollywood just lost and calling like i don't know where i am like things like that and then eventually getting fired and then frankenheimer coming on board and then not having being able to deal with val kilmer <laughs> there's one quote where he says god damn it if i was making a movie the life of val kilmer i wouldn't hire that asshole <laughs> So, and you see like the insider, you know, all the the nonsense that happens in Hollywood and you think, you know, the millions of dollars that are not just being spent, they're literally being thrown into a monsoon is really literally what's happening here. And you have all these like, you know, the like surrounded, like literally there's shots of like the director surrounded by sketches like a crazy person. Like it's like an (laughs) asylum. That's what it looks like. Um, And all these, these crazy horror ideas of like, you know pig women and all this weird bizarre stuff that like oh yeah i thought they thought it was a little too controversial like you're talking this weird um you know very um very subdued tone but it's a fascinating um documentary and you you look at it like too like you know how the actors wanted to quit but then there's some of the extra actors were like uh no, it's like it was like a big party. We would just kind of hang out and have sex with each other because they were in the middle of nowhere. And yeah. In fact, they were an hour from like the closest hotel in Australia. So they were literally deep into the jungle. And they said it got so stupid where they were an hour into the jungle and they planted banana trees because it was a banana plantation. Like we're in the jungle and we planted more jungle. So, <laughs> And the so. extras were just like, well, I, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I thought it was going to be a three-week shoot, and I, yeah. mean, I worked for nine yeah, months. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, and that's yeah, literally that's what they said. Yeah, I thought this was going to be three weeks. I've been here for like four or five months, literally. Just, and then you put the makeup on, but then if somebody doesn't come out of their trailer, they're just literally sitting in their makeup for Getting a while. Getting paid. And then, and then, yeah. paid, though. Yeah. Oh, time, overtime, time and a yeah. half after yeah. 12 yeah. hours. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and, and Marlon Brando, like... Um, you know, is having these discussions like, ah, I, I, you know, never like, like, because obviously they don't interview Marlon Brando for yeah. this, but they, they, everyone's recounting like what he said to them, stuff like, yeah, I never read the script and it doesn't matter, everything, it doesn't matter how the characters relate. I just, you know, and it was his idea to like put the ice bucket on his head and all this crazy wait, wait, shit. He started the ALS ice bucket challenge. That's <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. back in '96. <laughs> 
So it, it's it's a fascinating watch because uh, I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you've seen the Val Kilmer, uh, Marlon Brando Island of Dr. Moreau, and you've always wondered, what the fuck what happened, happened to this movie? And uh, Is it worth seeing? I've never seen it. Oh, it's, oh, my God. Really? It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Okay. I think you got to yeah. watch this documentary first, first and then okay. watch the movie. Okay. And then because yeah. it'll make it. Amazing. Like, then you'll go, oh, oh uh, yeah, yeah. I, I remember them talking about this part that just happened. And um, it, and then you also see, like, it, the, the sad part was that this basically broke Richard Stanley. I mean, he never made another movie after that. Or he's, um, if he has made anything, it's been, like, very just small scale yeah. kind of stuff. Um, like, he's never made it. Uh, well, I should say he's never made another studio, studio movie. movie. He's been out of the system. Um, and it, it was one of those things too. It was almost like watching someone get PTSD, <laughs> uh, like, like from this experience, like you literally saw him, like Val the, Kilmer the, gave yeah, him PTSD. Yeah, it literally looked that way. Like you see like the old footage of like him on the set and stuff. And then when they interview, cause they do interview him for the movie and you see like, God, this guy, he's, as he's recounting what's happening, he's like, this just kind of broke him. What yeah. would happen? So, 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 PTKD. Yeah, yeah. Kilmore disorder. Dramatic Val Kilmer disorder. Hashtag. Hashtag PTKD. <laughs> Have you guys seen Overnight? I haven't seen that, but about the guy who directed Boondock Saints. No. Oh, I heard about yeah, that. Yeah, I've, I've heard similar things. I, I shouldn't have brought up something I haven't seen. But. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's you know, send our audience to see it. Um, so that's it, definitely um, a, a fun documentary to watch, especially if you've seen the film. And what's weird about this documentary is as shocking and surprising as everything that you're hearing, after you've seen the film, none of it really surprises you when you hear, oh, yeah, well, that I yeah. kind of saw that on screen, that how this completely just, <laughs> yeah. you know, When the first time you watched it, you went, what the... Yeah. What had to have happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then oh, you're like, a monsoon, oh, yeah. egos, and yeah. insanity. Great. Yeah, Got yeah. It. Now, now I get to hear it exactly how it unfolded. Um, all right. So uh, I saw Mr. Holmes. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie's decent. You know, it's all good mm-hmm. performances by everybody. I don't know that it's this amazing. I see why they released it in the summer, because they probably went, it's not good enough for an Oscar. But it's a, basically a character study. It's a character study. Um, he does some, there's some interesting stuff in terms of flashbacks to, uh, to his, to his story. Um, uh, and you know, everyone's, everyone's good in it. Um, there's just some scenes that are just kind of like, oh, okay. Like I, I didn't, I didn't go, oh, what a disaster. They totally missed the mark, mm-hmm. but I just went, okay, it's, it's, do you rush out to see this movie? I can't say to do that. I would mm-hmm. say uh, there are good. Pro- I mean, like Ian McKellen's performances in Laura. I mean, he, his performances are great. He's always good in what he does. Now it's an aging Sherlock Holmes, but is it him kind of correcting the story? Is there like the uh, the course of the film, or is it more just him kind of dealing with his memoirs and looking back on his life? Um, he is. Power. Any little technical issues? Some technical issues. Yeah, um, yeah it's it's part of that. It, it is it is getting old, and um, you know, is he losing his memory? Uh, is his body starting to fail him? So there's that, and he's trying to remember this last, um, this last thing. So uh, you know that that's interesting. They they flash back and forth a little too much for me sometimes. Like I mm-hmm. wish they would flash back and then just stay in the flashback and show me all of that. But I think the director was trying to go, well, this is what fading memory is like. You kind of remember and then you pat back to today and you don't remember all of it, which which was you know I mean that's that's an interesting device mm. um, to kind of show 
got slow a little bit in the second act, but overall, overall, I think it's a decent movie. You know what I mean? I liked it. I think it's the kind of film like, you know, if it's on TV or on a flight or something, or you watch it and it's interesting, unless you're like a crazy diehard Ian McKellen fan, I don't know that there's a reason to like rush out to go see it in the theater. But it's, you know, it's, 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 it's okay. If you so like McKellen heads, uh, you can go. Yeah. <laughs> All you McKellen heads, go get it. And Sherlock Holmes fanatics. Yeah, it is. If you're a Sherlock Holmes fanatic, you, you might, mm-hmm. you, it's probably interesting to you. Okay. So it flashes back to his memories of when he was Robert Downey Jr. Uh, yeah, yeah, doing kung fu. <laughs> absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's it. All right. Doing a snatch fight. Snatch fight. <laughs> doing a snatch fight. Um, um, okay, so now, Andy, we want to talk about, you've been working on um, Jason Nash's films. Yeah. Uh, and he has a new one coming up, right? He does. He has one coming. Well, not. It's going into production. I think soon called FML, uh, a social media adventure, um, based on his recent Vine fame. He's become huge on on uh, the Vine app, which is mostly the province of like teenagers and people doing broad racial comedy. <laughs> uh, but he has like two million followers in there, and he a lot of that is based on doing collaborations with other people that are big on there. So he put together this movie. It's a road trip involving a lot of these Vine celebrities. Um, but three years ago, I worked with him on his movie, Jason Nash is Married, uh, which was originally going to be the second season of a web series he did. And um, he got together this incredible cast of... Like, it's a great movie. Top... I really enjoyed oh, you it. Liked? Oh, thank yeah, yeah. you. I don't know you saw mm-hmm. it. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because we had him on the show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, I don't know if he plays up the fact that it, it wasn't originally going to be a feature or if that's not a thing we should be talking about. But I think it's interesting that these days you no, can make something, yeah, yeah, you can make something that's, that's that viable with uh, a team of like three people. It was him, uh, the cinematographer, co EP, um, Robbie Supermanian. And I was doing sound and, um, script coordination and I got to be in a, a scene, um, that's even less of a crew than we had for you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, you can do it with, with a zoom and a good boom mic hooked up to it. And then the camera was like a T2I with a good lens, which is like a $500 camera. It's amazing. So I, I think it's a testament to how accessible everything is these days. If you just have a good idea, um, and you know, 20 super funny, famous friends who were like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That helps. He got, Andy Richter and John Benjamin were shooting in my house. That was a big thrill. Um, there's a scene where you can... Uh, I mean, Busy Phillips plays his wife. Busy right? Phillips is his wife, yeah. yeah. And you know everybody uh, from um, T.J. Miller to Andy Daly to uh, John Ross Bowie, Paul F. Tompkins. Um, Paul F. Tompkins is the therapist. Hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> shut up, here she comes. Like, yeah. <laughs> the therapist saying shut up. Um, yeah, it was, it was a ton of fun, and it was uh, a great way to spend... It was the first summer that I was in L.A., so it was... Uh, had stars in my eyes. Um, but yeah, he, he's a great, uh, he's a really interesting, um, guy with a really unique take. A lot of his comedy is about him sort of being the stay at home dad or, or just coming to terms with, cause his wife is a very successful producer and he's very successful in his own right, but in all these ways that he's had to, uh, scrape together himself, you know? And so that kind of informs a lot of his, his art is, uh, is that sort of like, I got to get something going for the family. I got to be a provider. Um, and that's, that's a through line in in the new movies making also. So, and then how's everything going, uh, with your guys podcast? Cause I know, um, Oh yeah. So I do a podcast called probably science. I don't know how much crossover our, our listeners have. Um, and, uh, we've been doing it for four years now. And Jesse case, my roommate and a very funny comic has been co-host for the last three of those along with Matt Kirshen. 
And um, like a year and a half ago, he started getting really sick. He had, um, I mean, it's all digestive related, so I won't go into too much detail, but you know, really bad stuff happening where you're like, I got to get this looked at. And um, he didn't do the typical male thing of like, I'm just going to tough it out. Like he wanted to get diagnosed and he was going to doctor after doctor and they kept saying like, oh, maybe this is prostate related. Maybe it's going to be colitis. Maybe it's going to be, who knows? Um, But they never gave him a colonoscopy. So like a year and a half, he was having these really bad symptoms, you know, like blood, things that... um, and he finally got a colonoscopy because um, he, he was 28 when this all started, or 27 maybe. And it's so rare to have – well, anyway. So he got a colonoscopy two months ago, and it turned out it was uh, he, colon cancer. And oh, wow. his colon was riddled with tumors. And okay. um, they did a PET scan, and it had spread a little bit to his liver. So technically he's stage four. So really bad news. Um, and then he just instantly moved back to Nashville where his mom works as a doctor at Vanderbilt. So he's getting great care back there. But uh, it's been a weird transition because for the last two months we've, you know, we've kept the podcast going while trying to be funny but still acknowledging that our one of my best friends and roommate and co-host is going through this like facing down right. the possibility of, uh, of death. Um, so he started his own podcast about it. That's really funny. And it's not as bleak as it sounds. It's called his Jesse tweets and shit Trump. are fucking mm-hmm. hilarious, it's, man. Yeah. He's, I mean, it's like, it couldn't happen to, uh, <laughs> it's, it's perfect. As he says, like, of course, as a comedian, I have to be, I have to get ass cancer. Of course. Like what other cancer could I get? But ass cancer, um, and he does a podcast called Jesse versus cancer. That is hilarious. And not even that sad. Um, he's got a great attitude about it. And, um, you know, he's, he's getting good treatment. He's been going through chemo for two months. They'll do surgery after that. Um, and the prognosis isn't great, but he's very okay with all the ways it might shake out, including if it ends up badly, he's like, well, yeah, you know, like if, if I don't die of this, I'll die of something later on. <laughs> like he's very realistic about the whole thing. Um, so it's been a tough two months for everyone on the probably science team. Um, obviously way more so for Jesse, who has been lying on the floor throwing up from chemo and, uh, right. God. um, but yeah, he really, in the times when he's coming out of it, like between cycles, he's, he's getting on stage and, um, like he's just got a great attitude about it. I, I don't know how I would be dealing with it as well as he is. And, and I think it's been a good source of inspiration and hope for people to listen to his podcast and are dealing with cancer or have loved ones that have, so it's Jesse versus cancer. Jesse versus cancer.com. Jesse vs cancer.com. And it's in iTunes. Um, yeah, it's well worth checking out as is our podcast. But, uh, um, and actually, yeah, we had, uh, <laughs> feels weird to plug ours after plugging his, but like we had, uh, a college friend of mine who worked on the Pluto new horizons flyby last wow. week. And that was one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. It was super interesting hearing about all the things that had to go into, um, designing this probe. It's been flying at, at, uh, 30,000 miles an hour for nine years to go 3 billion miles. And have you seen the footage it's gotten of, of Pluto, those uh-huh. high res pictures? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's amazing. We've never seen Pluto as more than a few pixels, not voxels, pixels, um, <laughs> until this probe flew by. Um, and that was last week's episode. If, if listeners want to go check out probably science.com. All right. To hear that one. Cool, man. Great. Um, all right, let's get to the DVDs. Coming out on DVD and Blu-ray Home. This is the animated movie where um, basically um, Jim Parsons from um, Big Bang, Bang Theory yeah. just kind of does the same exact character as an alien <laughs> in an animated film. Uh, He's like E.T. is stranded on Earth kind of? Kind of thing, like, yeah. Now, um, I have not seen it, so if you want to check that out. Um, Justice League, Gods and Monsters. Now, 
I really like these DC animated features that come out. In fact, somebody was um, tweeting saying that, uh, do you guys talk about those as much? And we, we've been talking about them, but there's been a few that's kind of slipped by. Um, I think my favorite is still Under the Red Hood and the Flashpoint Paradox mm-hmm. are probably two of my favorite ones, although Son of Batman I really like too. Um, these come out like every few months. It's like a couple times a year these come out, and they're all PG-13. They're all more mature um, animated features. They're always a little short. Like you always want a little bit longer. Like they're yeah. kind of in that weird seventy some minutes long. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Could could you get it to eighty five or mm-hmm. ninety? Tell a little bit more story. You, you could you could give us a little more, but it's cost. You know, it's it's expensive. Yeah. So, um, but they're, they've always been. You know, there's there's been a couple clunkers, but for the most part, they've all been uh, pretty well done. And definitely want to check them out. They've been trying to make them a little more connected because they're putting out so many um, for the last couple of years. They haven't now they're kind of starting to. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that works out. But uh, check that out. Justice League gods and monsters that is coming out. They do do something that is a little annoying where they release it on DVD for purchase only for a window where just because it's coming out for DVD doesn't mean you could get it for like rental or anywhere yet. Like a lot of times oh. there's this weird window because they realize they made so much money by people not wanting to wait. They just buy it. Um, so it has a weird release window. So this movie may not be on streaming or um, for even DVD rental yet, even though you could buy it now. Hmm. So, uh, but it's a strategy that must work because they keep doing it. (laughs) They keep making this window. So, but check it out. Um, and also the water diviner. Now this is the Russell Crowe movie that you, yeah, I saw it. He, it's his first like, uh, uh, movie that he's directed a, a scripted he's done uh, i guess a couple of documentaries uh it's it's you know it's about uh kind of based on a true story of an australian guy who looks for his three sons after the battle of gallipoli in turkey which is a horrible battle uh in world war one uh and there's some interesting stuff to it um i remember just sort of missed the mark a little but mm-hmm. you know this is actually kind of the perfect dvd type you know see it on tv or video on demand or whatever because uh it's got some interesting stuff in it and it's got an interesting look at that war in world war one in particular um especially you know when he's like trying to find his sons and there's this scene uh where he's talking to this english officer who's like and lists all these other giant battles that have happened in history he goes you know what we did with those battles we dug a hole we shoveled everybody in it went through lime on it Horses, soldiers, everything. This is the first war where people are like, hey, where's my son? So we'll do our best. And it's just like, wow, it gives it that sort of historical perspective. Right. Um, that was pretty interesting. Once a soldier died, he was gone. He was gone. Yeah, there wasn't yeah. like, there was no burial. There was no ceremony. There was nothing. It was just right. like, you went to war, and if you came home back to the farm, then I guess you made it. Right. <laughs> like, that's how it was done. So, um, so yeah, it's interesting. And it's, it's you know, it's... I'd like to see Russell Crowe direct some more stuff and see what he, he, you know, he's had an interesting career and, you know, I'm all for it. This is a good place to see this movie's DVD. Oh, cool. Okay, now the site Spotlight fan feedback. I, I got to mention this. Um, we had a fan, and I put this on the Facebook fan page, recut an asylum trailer <laughs> because um, there's no comedy in the actual trailer, so no one knows it's a comedy. He recut a complete comedy trailer of all the scenes that I actually shot, wrote, and directed, and he made it like a Kevin Smith movie. And I'm like, I wrote and directed these scenes, but I want to see this movie now that he cut <laughs> together. I want to see that. This movie looks amazing. <laughs> so All the great scenes with Dean, Yeah, yeah with Mike Dean Schmidt. and Mike Schmidt. It, it's, it's great. It's such a great trailer. So um, definitely check it out and uh, it's on the face. We I posted it on the Facebook um, comedy film nerds fan page, and uh, I'll try to get the link on the message boards too. But it's it, it's great. Thank you. 
Um, also, so other fan feedback. This is a great uh, email we got from a woman by the name of Camille. Uh, hello, and it's regard to the Amy Winehouse documentary. Yes, and me not liking the audio only choice that the director made. Mm-hmm. This is her response. The audio only choice. Yeah, in all B roll. All B roll in the movie Amy. There's like interviews of like her ex boyfriend, her mom, her best friend, her former manager, and they're talking about all these moments of regret or whatever. And we never see their face. It's just over B-roll of her walking around the streets of London or something. Oh, yeah, or concert footage or whatever, which they get all this great concert footage and you never see their face. My complaint was like, well, I want to see the emotion of this person's face. And I think it was a missed opportunity. Now, here's another point of view on this. Uh, I loved Amy and just wanted to quickly address Graham's dislike of only using audio interviews over B-roll in this film. Having only audio in the interviews and Amy was definitely a choice of the director as Eve Capetta uh, also directed a movie, uh, Senna, in 2010 in the same style. I think it works. We go to a film called Amy, and that's who we want to see. Who wants to look at uh, her father, her clueless mother, or her enabling <laughs> Who cares? They're all going to look sad. Amy is a tragic story. What we want to hear is their... St- what, we want, what we want is to hear their stories, uh, what they liked about Amy, how she behaved. We don't want to be talked at. The point of a movie is to illustrate a story to the audience, and Amy does that. Amy Winehouse was a crazy, talented young woman who desperately needed help. We get such a personal, in-depth look, uh, and I'd hate for the editing style to distract you from a great film. Ah, them's my thoughts, says Camille. That's an interesting point of view. Then I guess, I don't know, it might just come down to personal taste because I think you could have walked the balance of seeing the faces and all... Because, again, as we said... the. The footage is amazing. They got all this great behind-the-scenes footage of Amy Winehouse. Oh, yeah. So I just, I guess it's a personal choice thing. Yeah. Um, because I do want to see the her dad and the regret or what. I want to see that. I want to see that. Yeah. Face. So. And um. That, but say, thanks for the email, Camille. I appreciate yeah. that. And uh, we always love hearing different points of view on that. That's uh, very cool. And also, um, we have even there, if you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> we have a Mr. Holmes review. Speaking of being wrong. Uh, <laughs> Uh, there's a Mr. Holmes review from Neil. He liked it a lot more than you did. All right. So, I'll take uh, the hit on that one. Yeah. <laughs> so check that out on the site, comedyfilmnerds.com. The whole movie's just like, hello, oh, I used to solve crumbs, I did. You know what I mean? So that's where a little, one, one little wonky for me. Same thing with Amy Winehouse. Hello, I was a big celebrity. <laughs> I'm missing a two for two, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, so. rest your soul, Amy. I, 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 <laughs> it is it is a good document. Like, here's the thing. Like, based on Camille's email, guys, I would love for any of you to watch this film and and let us know where you think. Do you mm-hmm. do you think that that this director's choice actually worked for you as it did for Camille, or do you think that um, it should have had more faces? <laughs> <laughs> Are you face or voice? <laughs> um, so premiering this week, Mission Impossible: Rogue Nation. I, I'm going to see it. I've seen all of them. I mm-hmm. don't remember anything from any of them. I'm sure I'll go and go, ah, that was cool. I'll hear the music. and I, Like, none of these movies did I ever go, oh, fuck, you got it. Have you seen the new mission? I've never said that. The first one was pretty awesome, right? Wasn't that directed by... That one was okay, but the whole print that pissed me off was, um, uh, what's his name? Peter Graves' character from the TV show, which was played by uh, Voight, John Voight. Uh-huh was the bad guy. And that's when right. I was like, come on. That's like Alfred being the bad guy in a dark movie. You know what I mean? Like, that was the only problem I had with that one. But. Uh, um, I don't like these movies. I gotta be honest. I liked the first one a little bit. Um, I thought even the second one, uh, but as they've progressed, they've gotten more and more ridiculous without yeah. acknowledging that they're ridiculous. Yeah. Like, 
Fast and Furious, you know, well, this is ridiculous and we know what it is. <laughs> right. But like the last couple have been like, we're going to take it seriously. And then every gadget has a core of magic in it. Like literally it's a magic wand. Like they can do anything. And uh, uh, at least base it somewhat in reality and yeah. science or just acknowledge the fact that you're making a cartoon. Right. You know, and it's gotten worse and worse and worse. And they're like, we're cut off. All we have is this secret stash of cars, money, and ammo. Whatever are we going to do? Uh, so I'm, I'm really, I'm not impressed with these movies. I, I'm, I'm not looking forward to it. I probably will not see it. But uh, I did like the first. I just don't like I'll where see they're it. going. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they're making a big deal of uh, Tom Cruise's plane stunt. You know, that's always a little bit of a concern if a movie is putting that much emphasis on one stunt in the entire film. Mm -hmm. uh, It makes you wonder, well, what does the rest of the movie look like? Wasn't the last Mission Impossible, the whole hook was like, look, we're on the Burj Khalifa, the new tallest building in the world in Dubai. Right. That was like their... Yeah, with their magic frog suction things. Uh, So... Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I'm not I'm, I'm not on board. But uh, we also have vacation. This oh, is you want to talk about not on board? <laughs> I cannot. This fucking trailer. The Griswold family, Chevy Chase, was believable as a dumb kind of dad. And of course, right. there's a couple scenes that went a little too far, but it was believable. That scene where they're dr- swimming in the, in the fucking shit. Yeah. in the toxic filth. What you could drive by that at fifty miles yes. an hour and go, oh, that's nasty. I'd never swim in it. You like yeah. no one is gonna put that brown water in their mouth. Like it's the dumbest. Like get this fucking out of here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I saw the trailer and the guy next to me in the scene where the Christy Brinkley-ish woman pulls up next to him and they they you know exchange glances. Then she gets taken out by a Mack truck oncoming traffic. The guy next to me in the in the movie theater was, oh, I'm gonna see it just for that. I'm like, and that's why it's gonna oh make five hundred million dollars. Like, what do you mean see it just for that? You just saw that. Now you saw that. There's nothing else to that joke than what you saw. I can't wait. Here it comes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just watch the trailer five times. God, it's a fuck. Yeah. It looks so. But now I want to rewatch the original Vacation because maybe it isn't as good as we remember it. Could be like, that yeah. that could there could very well be. But I guarantee you, there's no scene in there where they're just swimming in feces <laughs> and fucking <laughs> syringes and going, "Hey, this looks like is this a swim toy?" Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, come on, man! Like, ugh, I'm I, I'm this movie's fucking stupid. <laughs> I'm gonna see Mission Impossible before I see that. Well, you know what? You've made a fair point. If I were going to see one of those two movies, now I would still see Mission Impossible right. as well. Because <laughs> Mission Impossible isn't um, isn't going to like spit in your face. No, no, it's not. <laughs> um, it's just going to bore your face. Right. But anyway, the, the next movie is a Lego brickumentary. Now I saw the trailer for this. Uh, we all played with Legos as kids. And what I find fascinating, too, is like when something like from pop culture becomes um, so ingrained where we played with it as kids. Mm-hmm. Our kids, you know, my kids love Legos. They play with it. But also you have this whole culture of collectors where they interview guys like, I spend six figures a year on Legos. And I'm thinking, first of all, how could you? I mean, there aren't that many sets that come out in a year that you would spend six figures. But um, And you see like these amazing like displays of art that people create and all the things that they create out of Legos. um, They customize them and they, you know, they buy the sets and they build, you know, and it reminds me, I think this movie got made because of the success of the Lego movie, obviously. Mm Um, especially, but it's also just a part of our culture. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's definitely a part of our culture, and, and I, I want to see this movie because 
that fascinates me too that that collector part of it where you know people just literally this is a giant hobby for a lot of yeah, people yeah. and they spend a lot of money on it they create these elaborate landscapes and and creations out of just like literally just these little bricks that you can buy as toys and legos let's let's be honest they've never been cheap even when we were kids <laughs> they've always been a little expensive like a little set is still expensive like now you know, my son wants the shield helicarrier, you know, for Christmas. It's a giant set. It's like three hundred dollars. It's insane. Like these they have these collector ones. Then they go on eBay, like and it's the kind of thing where it's like action figures. Well, it's never been opened. Yeah. You know, you have a box. Now these are can be anywhere from four to six hundred dollars. These just mm-hmm. sets. But and also you wonder too, it's not like an action figure that you could look through the packaging into the figure. Like you wonder if a collector's buying it. Are you going to make it? Are you going to build it? Because, <laughs> you know, a bunch of bricks in a box, it's not it's not the same as yeah. like looking. So look cool in your shirt. Yeah, like yeah. So I, I think more, package. you know, when collectors are buying them, I really think they're actually buying them and building them. So instead of like, no, we got to keep them in the box yeah, to keep yeah. the value. Oh, all right. um, so this really interests me. Uh, I think it's going to be a cool documentary. So I'll definitely be checking that out. And then I'll maybe I will see Mission Impossible. And I, no matter how much time I have, I will not be seeing Vacation. I won't watch this on a plane on an international <laughs> flight. You should turn. I was on. I was on a flight. I came back from Tulsa and vac- and Get Hard was one of the movies I could oh, watch God. on on my flight from from. Uh, I had to go through Houston, and I was like, I can't. I can't, I, I can't do it. I tried. The guy in the seat in front of me had it. I was like, all right. And I watched like 30 seconds and I was like, I can't do this. It's so dumb. Like, I can't, I can't, I can't ever make this happen. If Graham can't watch a movie on a plane, that's a problem. Yeah, I've watched that's some a marketing dumb, I've watched problem. some dumb movies on planes. As Pardo has said, I don't see that if it's playing in my glasses. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, that's our show, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Thank you so much. Uh, Andy Wood, where can people find you and your podcast on the World Wide Web? You can go to probablyscience.com. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Andy T. Wood or go to andytwood.com for just uh, various things having to do with me. And of course, Probably Science will be at PodFest. Yes. Is Jesse going to be there? Or probably. Um, yes, I don't no, know. Don't Actually, know. it's possible because two months from now, um, his chemo's probably. We'll see. I hope. I hope. Okay. Yeah. But we always bring in a great. Like last year, we had Tim Minchin, Tim Minchin yeah. and uh, a bonobo expert. It was you a had, lot of fun. It was an amazing. You guys had a great panel last year, mm-hmm. man, and your, your the room was packed. Thanks. And yeah, it was it, fun. It was really cool. We all learned about the mating habits of uh, lesbian bonobos and uh, masturbating monkeys and stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you don't know about it, <laughs> if you don't know about bonobos by now, then they're sort of like Legos. They're part of yeah. their culture. <laughs> they're for collectors. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever eBayed a bonobo? It's great money. Um, all right, guys, we'll go to uh, LAPodFest.com to buy your hard tickets to come to the festival and, of course, live stream uh, and save $5 with coupon code either CFN or SCIENCE. Mm-hmm. Yes. SCIENCE! And, and as always, we've said, please uh, support the Comedy Film Nerd store. There's a lot of stuff in there. We still have the Thrilling Adventure Hour DVDs. Yeah, here's the thing we need to talk about, though. Oh, yes, um, the earbud screenings. Earbud screenings. I know we were talking about doing screenings in like independent theaters in like Melbourne and Sydney. Uh, that's not going to happen. And here's why Ellen, uh, you might be hearing this for the first time, but I'll email you. Um, <laughs> uh, we, uh, Kimberly Browning, who, uh, does the Hollywood shorts film festival is sort of our festival consultant. And she deals a lot with indie films and distributors. If we 
put earbuds in what's called four walling, which is renting out an independent theater, and then we charge a ticket and we get to keep that. If we do that, we um, kill distribution. We kill. We can't get distribution then, and we can't get into major festivals. So uh, Kimberly just saw. Uh, uh, so we thought about it, and then we're not going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and so Kimberly watches, you know, several movies a day for festival programming. She knows, she's friends with all the big festivals and she was like, you guys' movie has a lot of heart and could really get into some big festivals and win some awards. And she goes, the more awards you win, the more you, it can raise the value of it two to three times to distributors. So um, we can do little screenings in like, you know, a comedy club or something like that and call it just CFN movie night or preview. Or preview uh, screening, which is what we're going to be doing at a, at, uh, at Podfest. At Podfest is a preview screening. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, no I'm going to still theaters. be coming to Australia, I think in October to do stand up. anyway. Um, and maybe we can set up some little screenings, stuff like that. But, uh, w- the great thing is with this film and this business model is if, um, Regardless, if, if, if the festivals and the big distribution, like they just make us crappy offers or it just doesn't pan out, you know, nine or months. Or if it pulls a Dr. Moreau. Yeah, it pulls a Dr. Moreau <laughs> and we all go crazy. Um, then we, we can. We still have options. We can still have options. We will be taking this movie out and screening it ourselves and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. We just need to, to pursue the big options first. We yes. got to chase the carrot a little bit. So uh, I hope you guys understand. Um, but, and we will, you know. It doesn't mean we're not coming and we're, showing in theaters. It just means it'll be delayed a little it bit. It won't be. It won't be happening like October, November. Right. Um, uh, we still might come to Tokyo. Yes, we're still, still might thinking about that. We'll still see mm-hmm. if we make that happen. Mm-hmm. But that's what's up with that. So that's the earbuds update. So if you really want to see it, come to Los Angeles, September eighteenth through the twentieth at the mm-hmm. Sofitel. Yes. Um, all right, guys, that is our show. Uh, thank you to Andy Wood. Thank you for having me. Thank you for suggesting such a delightful movie for me to watch. <laughs> Chris and I just watched all these awesome films <laughs> while you're stuck in some sort of fucking, uh, you know, re-education camp. Yeah. Um, Clockwork Orange style. <laughs> uh, all right. That is our show. My name is Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember, Han, Han shot, shot first. first. Voxels. Voxels. Thank you.